We do honor our veterans and say God bless you. We do, as that powerful video just said, we do salute you. Yesterday, uh, I was on the campus for an extended time. Can y'all turn those lights down just a little bit in my face? going to show my white hair even more if we keep those on there. Just this one right here in particular. Some of y'all think I have an angelic glow about me. I don't. It's just it's this light that's in my eyes there. Yesterday, I had a ex- uh, time to spend some extended time on the campus of, of Texas A&M. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, of course, I, I, was there to, um, I was there to watch my Auburn Tigers play some football, and, uh, and they did. They, they finally showed up, and uh, they, they won, so I'm glad. But the real blessing was going to the uh, Memorial Student Center. If you've never done that, I really encourage you to go, and you walk in, I literally, I wept as I read the Congressional Medal of Honor winners. And I just went back in time. A lot of these were in uh, World War II in the 40s. And I, and I just went back in time and I watched these men. You know, uh, some, you know, all gave some, some gave all. And, and I was watching those men that they died. Really, they died as patriotic martyrs for their faith. Some of those stories were just absolutely uh, riveting. So. Uh, everything else was just kind of downhill after that. It was so powerful watching that. So men and women, we do love you. We salute you as veterans and say God bless you, and, and we're honored and honored to do that today. Uh, today I want to share a message with you. I'm about to bust out of my seams here is this message is about heaven. Anybody want to hear a sermon about heaven today? Amen? Praise God. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 21, I'll read verses 1 through 8 as we get to study today and toward the end of the apocalypse. And let me commend you. Praise the Lord. You have been so faithful. You have gone through the bowls and the trumpets and the seals and the dragons. And I'm telling you, it has been an intense study in the book of Revelation almost two years. And we're kind of, well, we are. We're moving toward the end of this uh, study. And today in chapter 21, we get to see what John saw. As far as the old heavens and the old earth are dissolved and perish, and John sees this new heaven and new earth. In verse 1, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and John said, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Now the city of Jerusalem is the most prominent, prolific city throughout the Bible. Uh, It is mentioned more times than any other city. Uh, maybe even combined, there's only one other city that just comes a little bit close, and that is the city of Babylon. But John said, I saw the new Jerusalem, and if you can picture this in your mind's eye, it's coming down out of heaven from God. It's prepared as a bride, cosmeo, adorned. It's where we get, ladies, it's where we get the English word cosmetics. It means to arrange, to put in order, prepared as a bride, cosmeo, adorned for her husband. John said, I heard a loud voice. For the 20th time now, we have read these words. 20 times in the apocalypse, we hear the words megalophone, loud, robust noise or voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and God will dwell with them. They shall be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Now look at verse 4. I tell you, there are some wonderful things in heaven, and there are some things that are not in heaven. 
And I'm so grateful to God for who is in heaven and what is in heaven, but I'm, I'm equally grateful to God for what is not in heaven because there is no, look at this, God wipes away every tear from their eyes. There's no more death. There's no sorrow nor crying. There should be no more pain, no more cancer, no more Alzheimer's. No more coronary disease, no more blindness or deafness or paralysis. There's no more pain because these things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And that's the title of our sermon today, All Things New. And he said to me, John, write, for these words are true. And these words are faithful. And he said to me, it is done. Uh, Some translations have the the plural pronoun, they are done, meaning it's all accomplished. The old has passed away and now the new has come and it is complete, it is done. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And as you know, that's the first letter in the Greek alphabet and that's the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the teleos, the telos, the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who Nike, he who Nikon, who overcomes, shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. Read that, church. Look at verse 7. Mercy. And God's just showering these, these praises. There's like a cornucopia of blessings and praise upon us as his people. And he's saying, and I will dwell with you, and I will be with you. I will take away all of your pain, and I will be your God, and you shall be my son. You shall be my daughter. You shall be my children. But in verse 8, it's like this one last clarion call of the Word of God. You know, as I I was studying this, I thank the Lord that Great Hills Baptist Church is a Revelation 21.8 church. Because there are a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, they will stop at verse 7. Because when you start going into verse 8, you're going to make some people mad, all right? You're going to upset some people. People are going to get their feathers ruffled. They're going to say, I don't enjoy that church. They don't make me happy. They don't make me feel good about myself. And so, because you went to verse 8, Brother Danny, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm checking out. But this is who we are. We are, we are a whole Bible kind of church, all right? I love the Bible church denomination people. I tell you, they preach the Bible. We used to preach the Bible in Southern Baptist Convention. We have, we have jettisoned the Bible for coolness, for creativity, and homiletics. And I preached to a charismatic church the other day. I had a good time, let me just tell you. I, they are full-blown charismatic. I don't agree with everything, but I just told them, I said, listen, we need to get back to the Word of God to teaching the Scriptures. Man, they just started hollering and, and shouting because they, they believe that. They're hungry. They're hungry for that. But the cowardly, delos, that, that word literally means the worthless individual, the, the, the worthless, the cowardly, the, the, those who cannot stand and, and stand in the face of of danger and persecution, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually pornios, where we get the word pornography, the sexually immoral. And by the way, that, that, is, that, that rubric covers them all, from homosexuality 
to fornication, to unfaithfulness, it, it covers it all, okay? Sexually immoral to the pharmacois, the, pharma, the pharmacy. Sorcerers, witchcraft, it's where we get the word pharmacy. It's that commingling of mind-altering drugs with witchcraft, which was so prominent not only in the New Testament, it's also very prominent in our day. But all of those and the idolaters and all the liars, they shall have no part, but they will have a part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, we cannot appreciate heaven and the the glory of God and and the pristine beauty of His nature if we don't also look at the concomitant or the antithesis or the opposite of that, which is hell, which is sin, which is the reality of, of evil in this world. And so today, we're, we're going to look at a message, and I, hope, I really hope this encourages you and it blesses you, and it's called All Things New. One of my favorite verses in the Bible that goes along with this is 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It's one of my favorite. It says, but eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. So today, I want you to look with me, and we're just going to kind of go quickly get through my introduction because I want to get right to the heart of this, this message today. We're going to look at the new, number one. We're going to look at the announcement that God makes in, in, verses four, in verse 4. And then finally, we're going to look at a study of contrast from the residents of heaven and those who are consigned to hell. So first of all, let's look at the new. John says, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the old heaven and earth had passed away. And there is some discussion, debate among uh, biblical scholars as to what that means. Does that mean that the old heavens and the old earth will somehow be renovated, or will it actually be dissolved and annihilated? And and I believe it's the latter because 2 Peter 2 says this, or 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12 say that the old earth and heaven will be literally dissolved. It It will be burned up. And in verse 1 of our text, it says, and these things will pass away. The old heavens, the old earth, I don't know how all this goes down, but the God who created it is the God that's going to remove it in exchange for what is new, this new heaven, new earth, and this new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. And by the way, when I say heaven, I love what one writer said. He said, listen, when the Bible talks about heaven, it's a real place. It's, it's not some mysterious, atmospheric realm of smoke and mirrors. Jesus said, and if I go away, I will go and prepare a, anybody? A place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus did not say he was going to prepare a state of mind, end of quote. He's going to prepare a place. The Bible says that this new earth has has some things that are conspicuously missing. Did you notice in verse 1 that there's no more sea? There's no more sea. There's no more curse. There's no more night. There's no more crying, death, pain, and suffering. You say, but why why no longer Pacific Ocean? Why not have an Atlantic Ocean? Why is there no more sea in this new heaven and earth? Well, I think, and I I don't really know completely, there's a lot we don't know, we're going to find out, but here's what I would conjecture, that the sea oftentimes has the connotation of destruction. 
The sea, I know it's been a benefit, and it is a blessing and a benefit to mankind, of course, to animals. We, um, we travel the sea. We eat food from the sea. But the sea, by and large, when you think of the sea, think of hurricanes and cyclones and you know, think of, of, of storms and typhoons. And, and also, when you think of the sea, think of separation. Because the sea is that which separates us from the continents and from one another. September the 15th, 1979, I understood why there would be no more sea. I was in the midst of a hurricane. I was 15 years of age, dating myself, but 15 years of age. And Hurricane Frederick devastated the southern coast of Alabama, and I was a sophomore in high school, and I thought, oh, this is cool. We're going to have a storm, and we're going to miss a couple of days of school. It wasn't cool. There's nothing cool about a hurricane. We missed two weeks of school with no electricity. I mean, I was taking a bath in Big Creek Lake. I remember underneath the platform of my high school, literally, families, entire families, we flooded the gymnasium. We got underneath the, the platform, and, and I was just petrified. I mean, I could hear the wind. I could hear the storm literally as the sea came to the earth. That was the second most frightened I'd ever been in my life. The first time also had to do with the sea. Two years later, I was 17 years of age, and I really should have died. I still thank God I did not die in the sea because I got out too far, got in a riptide, freaked out, panicked, tried to swim against it. By the way, if you're ever in that situation, do not do that. Do y'all know what to do? Swim parallel. I might just save somebody's life. I mean, really, swim parallel to the shore. Eventually, you'll come in. And it's by God's grace that he, literally, I felt like Jonah being coughed up on the beach. A whale didn't swallow me, but, but the wind and the waves finally just thrust. And I remember being petrified. Listen. The sea has that connotation of negativity, of destruction, of separation, and in the new heavens, and especially in this new earth, there's no more, there's none more of that. There's no more sea. The new, John says in verse 2, he said, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It was adorned, and it was prepared by none other than God Himself. I love that, that cosmeto. Yes, we get the word cosmos from that, but we also get that word cosmetics. It means to arrange, to order. He sees a new heavens, new earth, and new Jerusalem. And let me go to verse 5 real quick, because here it says, and he who sat on the throne said, behold, I, I make everything new. Everything is new. And he said, John, make sure you write these things because these things are true and faithful. And let me just, just do a, a little addendum, a little caveat here before we go on to the announcement. If God has the capacity and the wherewithal to totally recreate and make a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, don't you think that same God can create something new in your life today? Don't you think that same God can create a newness, a freshness, and a vitality, for example, in your marriage today? Or maybe that same God could create something new and, and vivacious and exciting in, in your depressed and your lonely and your hurting spirit today. Yes, the answer is, is yes. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me of something. Can I just say something to our single adults here for just a minute? Is anybody single in the house? Can you raise your hand? Amen. Boy, there's a bunch of you. I was thinking about you. Some of you are 
young and single. Some of you are a little bit older and single. Widows and, and widowers and so forth. And, and I don't know, I, I was just thinking about you this week, and I was just thinking, I thank God for single adults. Sometimes we think of single adults, and there's that, that association with that as, you know, as loneliness and, and hurt. And yes, there, there's some of that. But I'm telling you, I praise God for you. I am grateful for you. And by the way, God has not forgotten you. God loves you. God created you. God wants you. Man, we got some good single adults in our church. Can I just suppress that temptation just to preach on that? Yes. Let me suppress that temptation. When y'all preach, do y'all do that? Do y'all ever do that when you're preaching? You just have all these thoughts just come in your mind, and you, you, gotta, you just got to single them, single them out. But Randy Gordon is single, right? Is he still single? Where is Randy? Randy, are you in the house? There you are. God bless you. I'm not suppressing it anymore. I'm going to talk about Randy for just a minute. And he goes out on visitation on Tuesday nights, knocking on doors. He, I saw on Facebook, I think it was this week, I saw a picture of Randy in somebody's home with a bunch of guests. It's called a house of peace. He was starting a Bible study among unchurched people right here in 78759. He's one of our single adults. God bless you, brother. We love you. You're awesome. All things new. God makes all things new, all right? It's, and if He can do it in the cosmos, and He can do it on that grand macro scale, I know He can do it on our smaller micro scales. Let me go to number two, which is the announcement. The announcement is in verses three and four, and it is powerful. I heard a loud voice. The announcement is prefaced with these words. I heard with a loud voice, behold, the skene, the tabernacle of God, S-K-E-N-E is with men, and he's another skenao. It's the same word you use, the noun form and the verb form, and God dwells with them. And listen to this grand announcement. They're His people. God is with them, and He is their God. He, he dwells with His people. And the, and the Greek word for people there is laoi. It's plural. It's where we get the English word laity or the layman, if you will. Remember Abraham, God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, He said, in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And we are sons of Abraham because we are sons of faith. We are people who believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted Him as our Lord and our King and as our Savior. And by faith we have been justified, not by our works. And, and God has billions upon billions of people in this inhabitants of heaven, new heaven, and new earth. I like what Richard Baxter said in the 17th century, the English Puritan pastor, when he talked about earth and earth dwellers, and hell and hell dwellers, and heaven and heavenly dwellers. He says this, to have necessities, to have needs but no supply, is the case of them in hell. To have needs supplied by means of the creatures is the case of us in earth. To have needs supplied immediately from God is the case of the saints in heaven. To have no need is all the prerogative of God Himself. Is that not good? That is powerful. God supplies the inhabitants of heaven. He is our presence. He is your presence is glory enough for me. Verse 4, here's another statement that this announcement, God wipes away every tear 
from their eyes. As I said a moment ago, there's no death, sorrow, crying, pain, no sin. Praise God, no Satan. Can you imagine? No devil. Now listen, you may not believe the devil's real. I believe the devil. I talked to him this morning. I know he's real. I know he is alive like a roaring lion, but there is coming a day, oh glory to God. He will no longer tempt you. He will no longer be crafty on you. He will no longer try to, you know why? Because he ain't there. He no longer exists. He is, he is in the lake of fire, never to disturb us. Listen, in heaven, there's no sin. There is no temptation. There's no hurt and pain. All those things associated with evil, it's not, it's not there. I remember this story that Pastor Adrian Rogers told of his son, Philip. He was three months of age, and, and he died of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. And he said he and his wife, Joyce, more than any other time in their life, they cling to the Lord. They said, we couldn't think of abandoning our faith. We had to embrace our faith even more. And he said, I was visiting a guy in the hospital. He said, this fellow was very cynical, very jaded, and and Adrian Rogers, he was one of those pastors and preachers like you and, and like what I'm trying to do. We, they still visit the hospitals. You told me about a preacher the other day. He's a young buck, about 25 years of age. He said, I don't do that. I don't visit people in the hospitals. I let other people do that. That dude may not keep his church long. You know what I'm saying? He may, may be looking for another church. Hey, listen. It's okay if you're a pastor and you're listening to me preaching. It's okay to visit your people in the hospital. It's okay to call them and love them and, and minister to them. That's what he did. He said, I went to him and I went and called on this old guy and he looked at me and he goes, you still serve God after what he did to you? That's what he asked him. He said, excuse me? He said, yeah, pastor. I mean, this guy was mean, jaded, angry, evil. You still serve that God after he took your son. And so Adrian Rogers laid hands on him, choked him to death right there in the, in the bed. No, <laughs> he didn't. He may have been tempted, but he didn't. And this is what he said. He said, well, sir, yes. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at God. Sir, do you know who I'm bitter at? I'm bitter at the devil. He has a greater, wow, oh to God I could do this, I could, I could even think to do this. He has a greater enemy in me today, more than ever, more than ever. Because now I know, clearly I know, that all the sickness, all the sorrow, all the pain and the suffering has nothing to do with God. It has to do with death and sin and Satan. But one great glorious day, there will be no more of that. Y'all forgive me, I'm just, I don't know, maybe it's because the older I get, the more it's not so much more thinking about heaven, just thinking about who's in heaven.
Just bear with me a minute. Both of my parents are in heaven. A 39-year-old brother who died. But more than anything, we see Jesus. That is heaven. Heaven's not so much a place, and I know it's a place. But heaven's a person. It's being in the presence of the glory of God. And those... Hey, listen. If you've not lost anybody, you may not understand what I'm going through. But if you... I heard one preacher tell me one time. He said, Brother Danny, if you lose something, you don't know where it is. You haven't lost it. You know where it is. You know where he is. You know where she is. Finally, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about this contrast. In verses 6 through 8, you have two groups. You have the residents who are in heaven, if you're taking notes, A. And then you have B, you have the outcast or those who are in hell. I, I want to look at this text because it says, And he said to me, It is done, it is complete, it is finished. I'm Alpha, I'm Omega, I'm in verse 6. I'm beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to those who, who thirst. All, all this descriptive phraseology, it, it's describing God, it's describing His character. When He uses the word end, let, let, me, let me camp out on that for just a moment, this word telos. When, when God says, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the end, don't think of the end as the end, okay? Think of this word end as purpose, okay? Think of it as completion, because really the end is just the beginning. When we die and when we enter into the presence of God, we, we live with Him forever, and it is completed. His purposes have come to fruition. A couple of writers, let, let me read these. One, the promise or purpose should always provide profound comfort, one writer says, for the saints of God. Knowing that there is an explanation for all the sorrows and all the tribulations, an answer that will completely satisfy your soul. End of quote. Glory to God. Because there's a lot we don't know, and there's a lot we can't understand, and there's a lot we cannot grasp. And we say, God, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, there is no purpose, there is nothing to that, nothing could come good out of that. And God says, just hold on. And wait, wait till you enter my presence. Wait till I show you the panoramic view. You've been only looking at the parade from the corner. I've been looking at the parade from the whole panoramic view. Wait, watch, and see the glory of God, the purposes of God completed, consummated in heaven. Sometimes we just have to wait till we get to heaven before we understand. And then, as my sweet mom used to tell me, she said, Dan, that's why she called me Dan. Heaven's going to be so awesome. We get to see Jesus and all those questions and all those issues that we had will fade away in the light of His glory and of His grace. One another writer says, what He starts, He completes. He is the unchangeable one by whom the old was 
and the new shall be. Verse 7 is just one of those wonderful verses. It says, the overcomers, we inherit all things. All things are new. The new creation, the new heavens, the new Jerusalem. Verse 7, he uses this personal pronoun. Three times he uses he. Do you see it? Verse 7. He who Nikon overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Thank you, Lord. So that's the inhabitants of heaven. And, and let, let me just underscore something that is, if you have not caught this, if you do not understand this yet, please, please don't miss this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, make sure you hear this. You will go to heaven or you won't. Every soul born will spend an eternity with God in heaven or they will spend an eternity separated from God in hell. I know you don't, some people don't like that, especially in our very secular, humanistic, universalistic age. But if the Bible is right, then the inhabitants of faith, they go to heaven, and those who reject, they go to hell. And by the way, there's only one way that you go to heaven, and it's not through you being good. It's not through me being good. It's not through us jumping through the right hoops, you know, or right through the right, saying the right religious terminology or vernacular. It's, it's not by just us you know, conniving our way or convincing, and it's certainly not when we die, we say, okay, God, hold on time out. Let me, let me explain. Let me, let me just kind of take you through, God, in case you miss something. Why, you know, I'm standing here, and why you got to let me into heaven? No, 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 no. There's only one way, and one way only. And when you go and you die, and believe me, you are going to die. And when you die, and you stand before the sovereign monarch of the universe, the Lord God Almighty. He'll look at you. He'll look at me. Why? Why in heaven's name would I ever let you come into my glory? And why would I be your God and you be my son and be my daughter? And I just want y'all to know, here's what you need to say. You need to say one thing. And you need to say one thing only. Please don't miss this. Say his name. Say it when God Almighty says why. Say, it's Jesus. Say Jesus. And when you say that, whoo, glory to God, when you say that, ding, 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 ding. That's the right answer, okay? Y'all know that, that show? Well, what's that show Ashley, uh, Hannah likes so much? The Price is Right. You remember when they get the wrong answer? Y'all remember? Bum, 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 bum. Y'all remember that? That was free today. Let me do it one more time. Here's a brand new car. You didn't get it right. Boom, 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 boom. You go. You're, you're done. You know, listen, when it all ends and you stand before God, just say his name. Say his name in faith and say his name that you know him and that you have trusted him as your king. The, the last thing, this outcast of hell, there's a, there's a list of people there. And I've already shared them with you. I'm not, I've got all the names and the Greek, and I've got all of that. You can get it out of my manuscript. But let, let me end with this other verse that really is a parallel passage to Revelation 21.8. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, don't you know that the unrighteous, they just cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Why, that's important. And I believe the Spirit of God 
prefaces this list with that powerful phrase, don't be deceived, because there's so much deception in our world today. Neither fornicators, pornios, nor idolaters. Idolaters are those who worship idols, yes, but it's those who have taken Almighty God and put in His place something or somebody. It's not just a little trinket. It's not just one of those 330 million gods and goddesses in India. It can be anything. It can be a relationship. It can be a hobby. It can be a passion. Anything that usurps the rightful place of God is an idol. And if you give your devotion and your worship and your energy and your time to that, and that is your God, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven because you can only worship Him, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals or sodomites. You say, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say homosexuals who practice that lifestyle are, are not going to heaven. That's what it says. Now, either says it or it don't, don't, or it's either joking or it's telling the truth. And Listen, again, being a Revelation 21, 8 pastor and church, it forces us to talk about those very difficult things, okay? But let me give you the good news. Of course, neither thieves or covetous or drunkards or revilers, extortioners, they don't enter the kingdom of heaven. So, who does enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, Paul says, you were those things. Do you see the contrast? You you did practice, and it's the same in Revelation 21, 8. Those who murdered and kept on being murderers and idolaters and liars and cowards and evil people, they did those things, but you were changed. You were washed to the blood of Jesus Christ. You were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You're justified in His name and by the Spirit of our God. I know it's a double-edged sword. It, it cuts and brings healing, brings gospel good news, but it also cuts and it brings conviction, and it's, it's, it's harsh to our souls, but we have a choice. We can surrender to the Lord and His Word, or we can rebel against it. I, I want to implore you, I encourage you today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's ever never been a time where you settled your salvation and you know within your heart that God reigns and when you die, you go into the presence of God. If there's never been a time here on earth where you ironed that out or figured that out, let, let me implore you, let me beseech you to do that today. Because just as there is an earth, just as you are existing on this planet today, there is a heaven and there is a hell, there is a hereafter. And so let me invite you, let me encourage you. Before you leave this campus, before you leave this place today, and if you're listening to us on television, you're on the internet watching, let me encourage you, let me invite you, if I I could, just let me beg of you to pause and relinquish your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Say to Him, oh God, you are my King, and I invite you to be the Savior, the reigning monarch of my life, and forgive me. Forgive me, O God, of my murderous spirit. Forgive me of my sexual immorality. Forgive me, God, of those things I have done that displease you because you're a holy and a good, good Father and a good God. So ask Him today to forgive. Ask Him to cleanse. Ask Him to be your Savior. Would you do that? Oh, I invite you to do it even now. And as you do, would you tell somebody 
Would you let somebody know about your commitment, your decision? God, God does not want you to be a lone ranger, Christian, an isolated individual. He wants you to be a part of a family, of a church. So we invite you to be a part of us, be a part of our body here at Great Hills and allow us to disciple you and minister to you and encourage you. And so, Father, we thank you for this time of invitation. We thank you that Great Hills Baptist Church, Lord, since her very inception 60-plus years ago, Lord, she has been a church that has stood on the Scriptures, on the faith once and for all handed down to us by the apostles. And so, Lord, help us to perpetuate that. Help us to continue that. Help us, Lord, to stand. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. And Lord, I pray that you would draw people to our church. Lord, I I pray that you would draw those who have a hunger for you, have a hunger for the Word of God, who want to go deep with God, who want to be all that they can be for the glory of God, who, who want victory and want to be able to overcome. Lord, bring them. God, bring them to us. Let us disciple them, God. Entrust them to our nursery, O oh God, that we would be faithful in teaching them the Scriptures. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people here said what? Would you say amen? Praise the Lord. Would you stand up? Let's sing to the Lord. Sing our song of invitation. We got pastors and biblical counselors here. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Step on out and come. Let us help you today. God bless you as you come.